It's 2019, and I'm just coming home at 1 a.m. after a night of drinking and karaoke and getting ready for bed, and I binge on a Netflix show until 3 a.m. Going to bed late is normal for me, and waking up was a nightmare. I would hit snooze on my alarm clock at least three times before begrudgingly getting out of bed, and then I'd drag myself through the day, constantly counting down the hours until I could crash on the couch again. But fast forward to today, and you would not even recognize me. I'm up at seven without an alarm clock. I can hear my family and childhood friends gasping in shock. And the secret to my transformation? I turned 30 and decided I was too old to do the stuff I didn't want to do. But you don't have to cross into another decade to change your habits and live a life that aligns with who you want to be. To help us, we will be diving into Stephen Coven's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People to Change Our Insights to Be More Lovable and Loving. Welcome to Self-Help Junkie, the podcast where we explore the world of personal development through the eyes of book enthusiasts. I'm your host, Erica Ng, a communication coach and your resident bookworm. This season, we will be focusing on developing our romantic skills, but before we dive into the conversation with our guest, let's get into a one-minute summary of the book. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Coven is like the Bible minus the religion. He spent 25 years working with successful people who, despite their accolades, were feeling empty. In his quest to help, he delved into the world of self-help and psychology, where he found there was a shift in the definition of success. Prior to World War I, success was defined by character traits like honesty and bravery. After the war, success became all about image and skills, think Wolf of Wall Street. Stephen believes it's who you are on the inside that matters more than what you say or do. The seven habits can be broken into three stages, becoming independent, interdependent, then maintenance. And here are the habits. One, take ownership of your fate. Two, identify your goals and work towards them. Three, prioritize to bring focus to the important stuff. Four, find win-wins in every situation. Five, hear before expecting to be heard. Six, join forces to do more than you could do alone. Seven, hone your body, mind, and spirit continually. And with that, let's get to our guest. Today, we have Anyatin Mystery. He is an entrepreneur and mindset coach who helps people in and out of the LGBT community shift into a mindset of abundance and kindness to guide them towards success. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. Before we dive into the book, I'd like to get to know you a little bit more. So have you always been a lifelong reader? Yes. <laughs> yes. I, well, I, I say that. I don't know about lifelong. I think as I've gotten older and more, because I'm a, I, I love entrepreneurism and right. I love spirituality and those two things, I think I have a single lifetime mm-hmm. and in that lifetime, I'm only ever going to know what my experiences are. Right. But when you read books, you get the experience of other people's lifetimes condensed into like 50, 100 pages. It's phenomenal. You can learn about other people and other people's mistakes and learnings and stuff sure. so that you can grow. So I think when I started off on my spiritual and then my entrepreneurial life, uh, definitely I started reading a lot more. Uh, and I love it. I really, yeah. really embraced, you know, reading. So spirituality and entrepreneurship, not usually two things that are put side by side. People think of them as forces that work against each other, maybe. Uh, so yeah. how do you combine those two things in your entrepreneurship? Mm, it's a really good question, actually. So um, I think, you know what? My gut feeling is to make money in this world is not difficult. It's actually very easy to make money. But to make money in a way that you can sleep well at night 
and feel comfortable in your day-to-day -day be, you know, being, that's more of a challenge because that's where the element of morality and ethics and things like that come in. So my philosophy around making money is I try to make money in a way that allows me to sleep well at night, so in a more ethical and uh, spiritual way, let's just say. And so I think, you know, spirituality to me is about becoming the best version of yourself. And entrepreneurism is all about pushing your boundaries and pushing your comfort zones and trying to grow beyond what you are right now, right? right. And so the two kind of align, if you think about it. Because on one side, you've got this idea of trying to be the best version of yourself. Can you be kinder? Can you be more compassionate? Can you be more loving? Can you be more generous? Mm -hmm. And then you've got the business side, which is all about, you know, can you work that little bit harder? Can you push that limit? Can you set a goal that's a bit more of a stretch goal? But the stretch goals don't just have to be financial stretch goals. They could be stretch goals of being more compassionate in your business. You know, can you be a little bit more kinder? Um, and they, the two don't, um, they're not antithetical. They're not opposite at all. Right. If, if anything, they're complementary. I love that. Okay, let's dive into the book uh, that you've brought in for mm. us today. The book is Seven Habits of Highly Efficient People. And Effective. I loved it. I love this book. I have been recommended many books through this podcast and I've been reading a lot of them, but this has been my favorite thus far. So first off, thank you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, yeah, so how did you come by this book and when did you come by this book? Again, I come from... Uh, um, an Indian background mm -hmm. and in my culture we tend we tend to kind of settle down with one partner and that's kind of it we don't mm. we don't tend to bring many partners home it, it generally tends to be the norm when I split with my partner and this was the first guy I ever brought home to my parents mm. it was supposed to be the only guy we were right. looking at getting married and stuff when we did split even though we were never engaged let alone married there was nothing formal it felt like a divorce when we split and we were together five years so it was wow. a reasonable amount of time four and a half years you know so it's a reasonable whack of time when yeah when, when we split it, it was heartbreaking it was one of the probably most difficult decisions we both ever made uh you know there was a lot of love in the relationship so love wasn't the problem the problem was our core values what mm. we wanted were very very different and we tried to make it work but it you know ultimately it fell apart and so you know we were where we were i was i guess i didn't want to make the same mistakes twice i i'm a firm believer of the universe gives us opportunities to grow mm. all the time and you know we label things but then the day they're just experiences i can label something as a failure i can label something as a success but it's just an experience ultimately right so when i broke up with my ex yes of course it was horrific and it was not nice and i could have called it a failure mm -hmm. but i chose not to call it a failure i just chose to call it once i kind of got over the initial emotional distraught because you've got to go from some of that right you know i said right um how do i grow from this how do I how do I make the most of it? Because I don't want to make the same mistake again. You know, I don't want to go for another relationship and five years in and realize that, OK, or four and a half or whatever, that this was doomed for failure. Or mm -hmm. So I'm a quite a reflective person anyway. And that's when I came across the book um, and decided to I, I, I'm a walker. I love walking. Yeah. And when I'm walking, I love having my headphones on and I love listening same. to podcasts. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's such a it kills two birds once. Yes. You get a bit fit. You get a bit healthy, but sometimes three, if you live surrounded by beautiful scenery, it's just like, exactly. oh man, you're just, you're gorging your eyes, you're gorging your ears, and your body's getting good at fitness. Right. Because the book is very, very self-reflective. Sure. It talks about a lot of things that you can do that you can change within yourself that then will change the way you see the world. Mm -hmm. Because the world is the world, right? The world doesn't change. What changes is the way you see the world. That's actually what changes, right? 
That's such a courageous way to look at a breakup, right? Saying like, hey, I can look at it as somewhere I can learn from. And I find the people that I've seen around me who continually date the same type of person or have similar types of breakups are the people who shy away from that. Because looking at yourself and saying like, okay, how can I improve is a really scary step. You may not like what you see in the mirror, but you do need to take that first step before you can say like, okay, now I know I need to grow. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah for, sure. for sure. And I think, um, you know, there's a there's an expression, I think it's Lao Tzu, um, a journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step, right? Mm. So if you if you want to live a good life, if you want to live a life full of purpose and meaning and growth and, you know, find, being the best version of yourself, mm-hmm. then sometimes you do have to stretch yourself. And stretching yourself may be about looking at models that you've taken in one way and looking at them from a different perspective, mm-hmm. looking at life experiences and looking at them from a different perspective, mm-hmm. looking at things that happen and seeing them from a different perspective, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of growth in looking at things from a different perspective. And you, you can discover things about yourself and about others and your relationship to the world and incidences yeah. in a different way. So, yeah. Sure. So let's go into the book. I'm so excited to talk about this. Were there any specific concepts that you like really held on to that first read through? Yes, sure. So, I mean, it's interesting you say the first read through because I've read the book so many times. (laughs) I can see that. I can see that I will return to this one as well many times. Every every time I read it, there's something that drops out. Um, The idea of... um, he, he talks about this idea of empathic listening in the mm. book. Oh, yes. And empathic listening is, is, a, is a beautiful way to describe listening. So the way he talks about it is, um, imagine you're in a room and all the air is sucked out of the room. What is the thing that's going to matter most to you, right? It's not going to be whether, uh, you know, whether you're hungry or your sex drive or how beautiful the room is or anything like that, even if it's, you know, what are you going to do for dinner tonight or the argument you had? The first thing that's going to happen or the only thing that's going to matter in that moment is air. You need to breathe because there's no air in the room. So what's important in that moment is is the breathing, right? And in the same way, if you're having a conversation and the person that you're speaking to isn't feeling like they're being heard, mm-hmm. right? It's like the air being sucked out of the room. It's not going to matter what you say. If they're not feeling heard, if they're not feeling listened to you can talk till the cows come home and give the most beautiful incredible advice it isn't going to be listened to so empathic listening is about this idea of um not only listening to what the other person is saying and repeating back to them what you've heard in your words feeling what the other person's feeling and telling them what you think that they're feeling but it's a combination of the two Mm So now you're using both your left side and your right side of the brain. You've got no opportunity really in that to read your biography onto what they're saying. Right. What that means is, you know, normally when a conversation is happening, when let's say just someone saying, oh, you know, I went to New Zealand and I had a really good time. Even before they finish their sentence, you're like, in your head, you're like, oh yeah, I remember when I went to Bali and I had a really good time. And, you know, you want to you start talking about your experience. Or when someone's talking about their really difficult day that they've had. And it's really been challenging. In your head, you're like, yeah, I had a difficult day. And these were the solutions. 
Yeah. But you've not really listened to the other person. People like to speak, right? Like we want to share yeah. our experience. And even something like active listening, which I think is kind of like a surface level of empathic listening. Active listening, mm-hmm. you're supposed to like make eye contact. You say, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You're showing that you're listening. But if you're not reflecting both their experience and what they're feeling, then they're mm-hmm. not going to feel like you can actually fully deeply understand what they're going through. Right. Um, right. And I, yeah. I, I I love that you brought this up because this was one of the things that I really grabbed onto um, as mm-hmm. I was reading, preparing for this podcast. And I immediately started sharing it with everyone around me. I was like, these are the four steps. Like, let's practice this right now. Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. The empathic listening is where you're so fully engaged and immersed in the other person's story or experience. Mm-hmm. You actually put yourselves in their shoes. And that is a very brave, courageous, but vulnerable thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because especially when you're arguing, and this is this, so this, the reason why this stood out for me, because I started to realize how much I was not empathically listening to my ex and where the problem started to come in. What I was doing was reading my biography. As soon as my other half would say, uh, you know, as my ex would say, you know, oh, I'm feeling this way. I wouldn't even let him finish. And I'd be like, oh, you should be doing this, 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 this. Yeah. Because I know better or I've been there before. Or even because it, you know, it's coming from a place of love. It was never actually nastiness. But it's just like, oh, I understand how you feel. This is what I do. But they right. don't want to hear in that moment what you would do. They just want to feel understood. You know, and, and I wasn't. And that's why I resonated with that empathic listening so much. And that's why I promised to myself that I need to implement this, not just to my partner, but in all aspects of my life, because how sure. sad that I'm not actually, you know, people taking the time, effort, energy to speak to me and I'm not actually listening. How sad for me? No, I, for the person. I, I think that everyone, it's sad for everyone in that situation, right? Mm-hmm. I think of the conversations that I've had where I had differing opinions with someone else. And had we actually taken the time to listen to each other, we may have learned something from uh, the other person's arguments rather than just saying like, nope, they're wrong. I have to tell them that they're wrong and I have to change their mind. You can't change minds until you're ready for your mind to be changed and to be receptive yeah. of that. Yeah. 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 And I think he, he, he talks about this idea and I found this as well, that when the other person feels fully understood, mm-hmm. I, again, going back to that room, when they can breathe again at that point and only at that point, will they start to be more open to listening? Mm-hmm. So at that point, when they feel fully understood, right? I use this with my partner, my husband, so much now. When he feels fully understood, fully, he will then, the next thing out of his mouth, inevitably will be, what do you think? Mm. What would you advise? And at that point, when you give the advice or you say whatever, it's 100% more effective, 1,000% more effective than when you just start off with this. You're going to say the same thing, potentially. You might potentially not, Mm -hmm. because now you fully understand so much what they've gone through and that, what they've just said, you might realize actually what you have been through is rubbish. It didn't matter. It doesn't, it's, it's irrelevant. You'll actually give more pertinent advice or pertinent information to that person. Mm-hmm. You know? And as coaches, especially, yeah. we, you know, I use this technique. It's, it's not a technique. I call it, it's, technique feels manipulative. It's not a technique. You know, it's a, um, it's a way of being. It's a way of listening. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it just allows the clients to feel so much more. Uh, they, they get Definitely. it. They actually get it. And then when you speak thereafter, it, you know, you're coming in from a different perspective because you you actually have understood because you're seeing things from a different perspective. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the implementation. 
Mm. when I was reading this book, totally understood it. I went through and practiced it when I'm calm. What about when you're actually in the heat of the argument? How do you go from that reaction into empathetic listening and stopping yeah. yourself? So initially, the first time you do it, uh, you try empathic listening. It might just be at a, when you're calm and when times are good and whatever mm. else. But eventually, you come where there'll be a heated argument and you try it and you fail, probably. And that's okay. As long as you recognize you're failing and next time you try and next time you fail, and that's okay. And you try again, and you try again, and you try again, until eventually there'll come a point where you can. He talks about character, right? So it's this idea of a character is a long-term thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a short-term fit. It's not smiling at someone and getting them to win. You know, it's not like those techniques, as you were saying. Right. Saying, mm-hmm, and yes, yes, and agree. Because they they are techniques, right. right? This is something a lot deeper. So that's number one. That's the, that's the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say with that also is this idea that uh, Viktor Frankl was a Jewish Holocaust survivor mm-hmm. and he uh, was a psychiatrist, a psychologist, psychologist, I think. Uh, unfortunately, his uh, parents, his wife, his children were all murdered by the Nazis. In fact, I think he only had a sister that survived, mm-hmm. what I remember. Anyway, um, he, uh, he basically uh, was kept alive because he was a doctor to humiliate mm. the Jewish people of education. And he was made to do some of the most dehumanizing tasks, you know, like horrific by the Nazis right. from things like, you know, clearing up the gutters, feces covered gutters and not right. being allowed to wash their hands thereafter, you know, or, or things like going into those forests, the Bavarian forests in the freezing cold weather with their comrades only wearing pajamas and mm-hmm. some of their comrades would die and they'd have to carry the comrades to the work. So they'll, you know, work for 12 hours, come back and not even be allowed to bury them. They just have to, you know, lie there kind of thing. But one thing that's, that um, Viktor Frankl recognized um, is he realized that the Nazis could do whatever they wanted to him to try and take away his freedoms. Mm-hmm. But one freedom he couldn't or they couldn't take away was his freedom to choose mm-hmm. how to react. Choosing how to react was his inner freedom he had that that wasn't something the nazis could take away so a nazi could hold a gun to his head he could choose whether to feel fear in that moment or choose something Mm -hmm. else instead and that thought was so powerful for him it changed the whole holocaust in fact he wrote he wrote the book man's search for meaning and he talks about this idea of there's a difference between reaction and response Reaction is when something happens to you, gut instinct, you gut react, you straight out, you know, you don't even realize that there's a choice that you just react. Mm -hmm. Response is where you realize that I actually have the freedom to choose how to respond to this incident. And that's the first habit that's talked about in the book, right? That paradigm shift of like, you are the creator, you are in charge, you can't let other people decide for you. And Right. You no longer choice. become a victim. Exactly, yeah, choice. Yeah, choice. So this is what Viktor Frankl figured out. And so when it comes to empathic listening, this is the same thing. Mm-hmm. When you're in the heat of the moment, on reflection or mm-hmm. in the moment, there's a, there's a power in understanding that I have a choice here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that it's so important to recognize that, like you said, we're going to fail the first time we do it. So often, I when I'm having an argument with my partner, we argue it out. We're not our best selves. And maybe we sleep on it. And mm. 
the day after we have a follow-up conversation. And in those mm-hmm. moments, it's much easier to pa- um, to practice the empathic listening because yeah. you have calmed down, you have had space. And there are times where I tell my partner, like, I need to step away right now because I know that I'm going to say something I'm going to regret. Mm-hmm. I'm not in this space to do this at this moment. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. I think you've hit, you've hit a really good nail on the head there. Um, when you're in heightened emotional states, it's very mm-hmm. difficult to have a rational mind, right? Uh, there's another really good book called The Chimp Paradox. And mm-hmm. if you've ever come across that uh, really good book, it's about the chimp. It hijacks the brain and it kind of... Um, so the brain, brain will get hijacked with emotions. And when the brain gets hijacked with emotions, rationality goes out the window. Mm-hmm. So at that point, there is nothing wrong in a kind, compassionate, loving way saying, look, can we talk about this later? We're both in an angry state. We know we're just going to fight or, you know. Right. And I'm very fortunate. I have an incredible husband that, you know, he's very good at that, actually, more so than I am. <laughs> I know the theory. But, you know, we will do that very often. We can both sense that we're getting angry, we're getting agitated, we're getting frustrated. We will take a break. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that break can be a couple of hours later. We've even had it when it's been a couple of days later mm. and we'll come back. And as you just said, you're in a calmer space and you broach the topic in a different with a different perspective. Sure. Um, you know, when it comes to arguments, just a, a little pack or a little tip out there. When it comes mm-hmm. to arguments, one of the best things you can do is write down all your points. Because if you write it down on a piece of paper and then when you both and both parties do that and when you sit down and you kind of you can tick off all the points because when things are in your head, it's just a jumble. Right? It's like, right. you know, you just, it can be overwhelming. But when you actually write things down on a piece of paper um, and you sit down together mm-hmm. and be like, OK, this 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 frustrates me, this frustrates me. And then the other person does it and you write down any more notes, you find the argument fizzles out very quickly. Right. And there's a reason for it, because when you're writing things down. You, it's very logical you're using the left part of the brain you're not giving the right part the emotional part to overtake yeah. the hijack so you actually end up being quite rational and you end up solving arguments very oh, quickly i really it's, like it's, that it's, it's, i don't think yeah. i've heard of that one before so me, me and my other half um we use that quite often yeah um, yeah just writing things down it helps a lot one thing that I do is I've written into our relationship agreement that when we are arguing, we have to make some sort of physical contact. In my previous relationships, when we get arguing, I don't even want to hug them. I don't even want to like yeah. look at them. But as yeah. soon as you get that hug and you're like, wait, I like this person. Like there's a reason yeah. why we are fighting, yeah. why we are getting so heated. Um, so yeah, some sort yeah. of physical contact definitely helps. Yeah. I think, um, I can't remember the actor's name now, but uh, the guy that plays Hikaru Sulu on Star Trek, the original Star Trek, mm-hmm. um, I forgot the guy's name. He 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 talks about this actually. Him and his husband, uh, they always uh, kiss and make up before going to bed. Doesn't matter how difficult the argument's been, right. they might take the argument off the following day, but they'll kiss and make up at least that night. Right. Um, and again, me and I try and do that, even if we're a bit frustrated, we'll at least hug. We'll at least say I love you. It might feel yes. a bit forced. Yes. But it's okay. Because we know, you know, in the long run, it'll work, it'll work out. Right. You know, kind and of it always so. looks better in the morning because we're well rested. Of course it does. Exactly. <laughs> of course. And then yeah. you're like, oh, what were we even, what did we have an issue with? I don't, it's, it's a little bit embarrassing the next day sometimes. You're like, nope, I was just, yeah, that's me. That <laughs> was me. <laughs> uh, one of the concepts that I found really interesting was that uh, the seven habits are kind of broken into 
uh, three parts. So the first part is becoming independent, and the second part is becoming interdependent, and then the third one is being uh, is continuous growth. Um, and I found it really interesting because I feel like I was brought up to be an independent woman. I should be able to take care of myself, and independence is what I valued. Um, but reading this book and then reflecting on my own experiences, understanding that interdependence comes from being dependent, like you need to be an individual before you go into a partnership, really mm. resonated with me. Know yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're looking, so one of the things I talk about a lot, actually, and this is applies to all relationships, obviously, but I tend to theme it around the LGBT community, but it's, mm -hmm. it's all people. Um, if you are not complete yourself mm -hmm. and you're looking for someone else to complete you, mm -hmm. it doesn't work that way, right? You need to complete yourself. You need to find your sense of happiness and you need to find your sense of peace right. and love and compassion. And therefore, when you go out there, you're going to be the the oddity because everyone's looking for yeah. people to complete yeah. them. You think about also what you can offer. A lot of people, when they look at relationships, is what can I get? You know, what mm -hmm. is this person going to give me? What is this person going to give me? When you There'll come a point when you feel complete enough, you start dwelling on what can I offer? What, what can I give out? Because um, that's also really important. So that's the independent part. Right. And so when 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 you've kind of mastered that, and I use the word mastered loosely, it's not like you have to become to the nth degree. Of <laughs> right. you, might, you might be 120 years old by the way. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's part of that process. But as you become more self-aware uh, mm -hmm. and self-understanding and self-loving, you'll find it's easier to love others just naturally. It For just sure. comes, it just flows out of you, right? It's like right. the cup. If you have a cup of water and you keep giving that water to other people, eventually that cup will empty, right? And you've got nothing left to give. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you constantly are filling your cup up first, with so much water that's overflowing, right. everything that's overflowing you can give out, your cup's always right. full. I, I didn't make that connection until you made that analogy. So many of my younger relationships was like that, where... I was so excited to find someone that I connected with. I gave, I gave, I gave, and then I got exhausted. And I was like, this is not working anymore. I have to cut yeah. you off. And yeah, yeah, those yeah. are the moments where it's like, probably wasn't them that was the problem. Um, yeah. And I think especially being younger, there is a lot of fear of and uncertainty. You're like, I don't know who I am because I haven't lived long enough to develop yeah, my yeah. own voice, right? Of so course, yeah. what advice would you give to a young person? Let's say that, they're like in their teenage years and they're mm -hmm. they want to become independent they want to figure themselves out where do you start <laughs> yeah it's a great question it's a great question i think you know look <laughs> life is an incredible teacher right mm -hmm. when things happen to you when things are maybe not looking so good if possible a question to ask is you know what can i learn from this experience mm -hmm. What, what, you know, there, there's always moments to grow from, mm -hmm. right? What could I do differently so that if this experience ever comes again, it will be different, right? What can I learn? What, how mm -hmm. can I grow from this? And if you just ask that one question, life will be so different, so different, because it stops being me against it, mm -hmm. against life, right? And it becomes, you know, this incredible love story with life, right? right? It's the first, it's the first love, right? It's yourself, life, you know, the universe, call it whatever you want, right? Mm -hmm. So that one thing 
well, how can I grow from this moment? How can I become a better version of myself from this, right? So that next time this comes again, which inevitably it will, I'll face it better, I'll be, I'll be stronger, I'll be wiser. Right. Just that one question will start you off on an incredible journey, sure. incredible journey. There's a great book called um, The Alchemist by Paolo Colo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a metaphor of this exact thing that we're talking about. And it's this idea of this thing that you're searching for, love, you know, uh, 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 peace, uh, happiness, right? It's not external. It's not mm-hmm. in the partner. It's not in the money. It's not in the... The the, the 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 alcohol or the drugs or the sex or the anything you know success fame right it's not you know it's an internal thing you trust me as a successful business <laughs> entrepreneur you know it's 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 not out there I I you know I thought it was mm-hmm. um and I think that's why that's why my spirituality is so much stronger I think because mm-hmm. I've experienced that I'm just like actually no it's an internal thing Mm-hmm. But yeah, so the advice I'd give a youngster is, you know, whenever something happens, and not just a youngster, anyone, <laughs> including myself, right. advice to myself, but it's for anyone really. But yeah, if you're younger, you start this journey off well. It's just every anytime something happens, you know, question: How can I grow from this? You know, yeah. how how how? So the next time this happens, how could I best deal with this? You know, right. that was just it was just start to change you, and it was start to change the way you speak to yourself your relationship with things, the world, incidents, scenarios, people. Hey, editing Erica here. As I was listening back, I thought of something I wanted to add. If you're a teenager looking for independence, follow your hobbies. Whatever is interesting to you in the moment, dive in. Read books, watch YouTube, TikToks, get into communities and foster that curiosity. I was so focused on my relationships during my teenage and 20s that I would completely lose myself. I'd take on all their interests, do the things that they wanted to do, and that's all well and good. But when a breakup would happen, I would lose my identity as well. And for people who are in that situation where most of your hobbies are your partners, foster your hobbies. All the stuff that you said you would do when you retire, start now because the younger you are, the easier it is to learn. If you've no interests, think back to your younger years. What did you give up because there wasn't enough time, money, or it's too scary? At the end of the day, you'll be a more interesting person who has passion and excitement and stuff to share and who doesn't want to be around someone who's nerding out about a niche topic. Anyways, back to the chat. And for the young people who start doing this and find it exhausting, bad Mm -hmm. news It continues. Mm. I am in my 30s now Mm. and I am still growing and learning and Mm. it is hard. But on the flip side, if I didn't learn and grow from each one of these experiences and reflect and put in the energy, I don't think I would be nearly as happy overall. Mm. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, if you want to be a world-class pianist, you can't expect to just look at a piano and be like, oh, that's nice. You got to do the work. Right. You want to be a footballer, got to do the work. Yeah. If you want to be the best version of yourself, right? If you want to grow, if you want to be an incredible entrepreneur, incredible coach, mm-hmm. an incredible spiritual person, whatever, you know, you've got to put in the effort. And again, it's also perspective. You know, I find it joyous. Uh, yes, it is a joyous <laughs> thing. But I also get so much out of it. Right. Oh, God. Right. Life's a wonder. It truly is a wonder. Yeah, I'm in New Zealand right now. Yeah. Right? I, you know, I'm a digital nomad. I'm having mm-hmm. this incredible conversation with you. Singapore, right? You're in Singapore. I'm in Bali right now. Oh, no, Bali, Bali. That's it. Yeah, yes. Bali, you know. I mean, wow. 
Do you know what I mean? Like you know, sure. 30 years ago, I would not have imagined this. Right. But it's only because I'm pushing myself, constantly pushing myself, right. constantly trying to um, grow, you know, when things happen in life. How can I right. how can I grow from this? What's what I've had I've been close to bankruptcy in my business. I don't regret those moments. Mm-hmm. I don't regret my split with my ex. I don't regret any of these incidences right. because I'm like, how do I grow from these? Right. Because I'm blessed that the universe has given me these opportunities. Yeah. So some of the most painful experiences. So does that mean you're also encouraging young people to go make mistakes? Like go date someone before you're actually independent. You will learn then <laughs> how important it is to be independent before you enter. I mean, is a question for you, Erica. What mm-hmm. is a, what is a, what is a failure? What is a mistake? I think a failure and mistake is your mindset, right? Like you can look at it as a failure, but I I do think that some of the relationships that I got into, I stayed a little bit too long. Maybe it wasn't for the right reasons that I was getting into it. Um, not mistakes, things of growth. But if I were to do my life over again, I wouldn't make those choices again because okay. I would know better. But you right. need to, you need to like figure out what you don't like before you figure out what you do like and who you are. Yeah. 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 But the, I guess I guess you've just answered the question that if if you could go back, <laughs> mm-hmm. well, you can't go back. Mm-hmm. So going forward, you're going to take those lessons with you, right? Exactly, exactly. Valuable lessons? Do you reckon Very valuable? valuable, yes. And there you go. So is, is it really is it really a failure? And <laughs> that's the thing, right? Is it really a mistake? Because right. truly, you know, sometimes those things are the things that grow you the most. You might mm. not see it in the moment. You may not see it for 10, 20, 30 years, but... Mm. You know, they're the things that really grow you the most. Yeah, I'd love not to have gone through bankruptcy. I'd love not to have split with my first partner. Right. I'd love not to, you know. Right. But those are the those moments are the moments that have grown me the most. Yeah. Would I change them? Maybe not, because that suffering and that struggle is where, what's made me who now. I am today. Right. And I love who I am today, you know. I yeah. like who I am, you know. One of the other concepts was the emotional bank. And I think you touched Mm. on it a little bit earlier with the cup, right? So Mm. the idea of the emotional bank is that when you are with a partner and you are giving to them, um, they are able to receive your love, your advice, whatever it is. However, when you do too many withdrawals, so that may be putting stressors on them, uh, that's yeah, yeah. when you might start being less kind to each other because they are emotionally empty. They can no longer mm. give to you. For yourself, how do you mm, suggest for someone else to fill someone else's emotional bank? Like, how do you and your partner do that? Or how do you mm. and your family and friends do that? It comes with this idea of acts of kindness, right? <laughs> so, it's got to be genuine. That's the other thing I'd say, right? Uh, initially, if you can't do it genuinely, it's it's not the end of the world, but it, it should be genuine. It should come from a place of centeredness and love and empathy. Yeah, an example is, you know, my husband comes home from work. He's shattered. I'm shattered. I've had a really, you know, busy day. But I will know that in that moment, I'm going to be the one that says, Tom, don't worry, I'll look after the cooking. And I do it not because I want him to do it when I'm struggling. Mm-hmm but because I think it's the right thing to do. Mm. What starts to happen is I'm, so Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi talks about this idea, if you want to change the world, be that change, right? Mm. If you want to change something, be that change. You be the change that you want in the world. Mm. So what starts to happen is, because it's a symbiotic relationship, right? When you're with a partner, you, you're together, you spend a lot of time together, you learn, you grow from each other, you start to mirror each other's behavior. It's just normal. Mm-hmm. 
So after a bit of time, what starts to happen is we come home, we're both shattered, we're both tired. Even though I'm about to start cooking, he will jump in and be like, don't worry, hon, I'm going to sort it today, even though he's shattered. And slowly what starts to happen is it turns into this upward spiral. So every time I do a nice act of kindness with empathy, the bank account's being filled, it's being mm. filled, it's being filled. And every time he does it, the bank account's being filled. He's been filled. It's been filled. And the one day that he may make a mistake, mm -hmm. because the bank account's got so much mm -hmm. love and, you know, whatever units you want to call in there, mm -hmm. it doesn't deplete because there's still so much surplus in there. Right. So he might make a mistake. I won't see it as he's been vindictive. He's been right. nasty. He's been horrible. I just be like, oh, poor. Yeah, it must, it must be a mistake. Right. It must be a genuine mistake. Right? right. And I think that is like what you were saying, like it's part of your character, right? Like it's, it's character building you genuinely wanting to fill the other person's cup. And it's, mm. it sounds like your husband also has great moral character where he's also doing that reciprocally. But it didn't start that way. It didn't start that <laughs> no, way. It, no, it's built okay. over years. You know, we've been together 10 years. It's mm. been a process, mm -hmm. but sorry, go on. But go yeah, on. I was, I was wanting to ask like for someone who is in let's say a newer relationship and they are doing these things already. They feel like they're giving a lot and their partner is not reciprocating. Is that a point where you're like, break up, like you're not being treated right? Or is there like, what would your advice be to that person? Mm. Okay. So my, my, my guru, right, my spiritual teacher, mm -hmm. uh, Sai Baba, he talks about this concept and I love this, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's two things you should always remember. And there are two things you should always forget. Mm -hmm. The two things you should always remember are the bad you've done to others mm -hmm. and the good others have done to you. That's the two things you should remember. Mm -hmm. The two things you should forget are the good you've done to others and the bad others have done to you. Mm -hmm. So when someone's done something good to you, you should remember that always. Mm -hmm. When you've done something good to someone else, forget it. Don't, don't, don't even, you do it because you think it's the right thing to do, but forget it thereafter. And there's a, there's a beauty in that. And there's a beauty in that because if I think the right thing to do is to serve, is to be good, is to be empathic, is to be loving, it doesn't matter about the other person. Mm -hmm. If they give back, they give back. If they don't, they don't. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm doing something because I want some ulterior aim, which is for him to be nice as well to me, forget it. Wrong reason. Mm -hmm. You're doing it because you think it's the right thing to do. That would be the, that'd be the advice I give. You know, some look, sometimes it may not always work, which is fine, but you don't change your nature, your good nature. Right. If there's negative things, yeah, change those. If you don't listen to the other person and you don't do empathic, listen, right. maybe introduce some of that, you know? Right. But if you feel that what you're doing is a good thing, never stop that. Right. That really goes back to what you initially said of you want to be able to sleep with yourself at night, right? Like right, at the end yeah. of the day, whether yeah. your relationship works out or not, like you are the constant. So yes. if you're not doing what you feel like is the right thing to do, that discrepancy will come up in other ways. And mm. yeah, you've read this book many times and I'm guessing that mm. you've also recommended this book to a lot of people. Who would you mm. say this would be beneficial uh, for for someone to read or to listen to, I would say anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, because it, it is a really good. Book. It, I'd say so. Two things, right? It's a slightly heavy read. Mm -hmm. It's not the lightest of reads, and it's also it's not the most contemporary, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so 
those are the two things. So if you want things that are a little bit more contemporary, a little bit more, um, you know, um, newer language, you know, things like, you know, Neil Manson's The Subtle Art of mm-hmm. Not Giving a Beep, you know, same kind of concepts, right. just written in a slightly more modern way, you know, very, very, you know, a, a little bit more um, mm-hmm. uh, sumo, S-U-M-O, uh, Shut Up and Move On, another great book, you know, kind of in the, in the same vein. But just bear in mind that all of these books are based off Mm-hmm. the seven habits of highly effective people you know that's that's a it's a, it's a it's a real kind of bedrock book um so if you're going into leadership any sort of leadership kind of stuff fantastic i you know this is a must read for sure any sort of uh coaching this mm-hmm. is a must read as well i'd say um if you want to become a better version of yourself and you really are quite keen on self-development self growth, sure. must read you know sure. because it's got so much stuff in there it really does. really has. yeah i wish we had more time to delve into like every single paragraph that he has mm. um but yeah i i also would recommend this to most people i'd say mm. the only group that i would not recommend this to is people who hate cliffhangers oh this got on my <laughs> nerves he would start <laughs> off with the story of like oh and then uh like this happened and they were having this argument and i was like oh this would really help you go through this and then he doesn't go back to finish the story i'm like what happened to george (laughs) how is he (laughs) that is the only complaint i have about this book brilliant i love that yeah so yeah thank you so much for coming on the podcast Uh, i hope that we'll get you on another time uh if the people are looking for you where can they find you yeah, sure. So um, I'm on Instagram. That's my main place to kind of find me. So my handle is uh, Yatin Inspire. Mm-hmm. So Y-A-T-I-N and then the word Inspire. Uh, I also have a website, so you can reach out to me off the back of that. So um, you've got, uh, I've got a contact page. That's yatinmystery.com, www.yatinmystery.com. Um, those are my two main places they can find me. I'm going to start TikToking pretty soon as well. Ooh, that's <laughs> I'm exciting. Going to start going into reels and stuff like that i'm going to start putting some value content out there i'm obviously a coach so if anyone has any questions and stuff you're welcome to reach out um i'm going to start doing workshops as well pretty soon so um watch the space you know if you're interested in kind of becoming the best version of yourself well that's very exciting and i look forward to seeing that on my own feed yeah thank you so much for being here hey it's a pleasure and thank you for and and the honor of you know speaking to your audience and yourself while hosting this is fantastic great work Thank you for joining us today. I'd love to hear from people listening what's worked for you, whether or not you've read the book. You can do that at Self Help Junkie Pod on Instagram, Twitter, or at Gmail. If you enjoyed the episode, you know what to do rate, review, subscribe. I'll see you next time.